Welcome to the Traffic Talk Podcast, anti-trafficking discussions for the modern abolitionists. I'm your host, Vern, from the Justice Ministry at Blue Water Mission. We've got a decade of experience fighting the injustice of human trafficking and have ministered to hundreds of victims by just using volunteers in our free time. But we've had outstanding results. We believe that there's a role for you in this fight too. On this podcast, you will hear interviews, stories, and discussions from people on the ground doing the real work. So plug in and get ready to open your heart and mind. And now, the next episode of the Traffic Talk Podcast. Hey guys, episode 16 here for the Traffic Talk Podcast. And today what I want to talk about is decriminalization. Uh, It seems to be something that's really popped up in politics now. We've got a lot of people um, talking about it, some presidential candidates um, talking about how they would be for the decriminalization of of prostitution. And I think the issue gets confused um, easily for people and they don't realize that what they really mean or what will really happen. And I don't even know the people that are like talking about this and saying that they want to decriminalize it. I don't think they actually know anything about prostitution or about trafficking and how the game really works, what the life is like. Um, But they, they may not realize. And I think that plenty of Americans um, don't realize or people across the world that what it is, is legalizing pimping it's legalizing pimping is what it's really about. And so I'm going to go through and break this down and help you guys understand why that is really at the heart of the issue and what's going on. So one, let's talk about political arguments. So some of the political arguments that they bring up is that um, taxes, they can tax the industry and they always throw in there. That means that we can regulate the industry and they try to say well if it's regulated then that means that there won't be this underground black market um that there will they allude to the fact that there will be less pimping because it's regulated so let me break these things down okay taxes could we make money off of the buying and selling of human beings um yes we could is that ethical and is it actually going to help our communities i think not because it will tear them down and destroy them i'll talk about that bit more as we go through this that will be woven through the entire podcast but let's talk about regulating um so regulation okay let's talk about the example of just the porn industry now that is regulated in the united states um supposedly you know people like to throw out the argument like well if we just regulated the sex industry sex work prostitution then we wouldn't have to worry about um diseases because everybody would be would be checked for stds if you just look at the porn industry and you actually dive a little bit deeper into the porn industry you don't just say oh well there's regulation people have to get checked it must work um If you choose to actually explore and look at facts, like, is it really working? Then you would see that, no, it's not working. There's still rampant STDs throughout the porn industry and people getting STDs from doing the sex work in the porn industry. So there's a clear example that 
that doesn't actually work. We can't use that as an argument that it's going to make it safer on the health side of things. And then let's talk about black market and less pimping. So if you look at areas around the world that have legalized prostitution, we have not seen a decrease in trafficking. Specifically, we have not seen a decrease in child sex trafficking. We've actually seen an, in, seen an increase in child sex trafficking. So if you look at areas of the world, whether it's in the United States, like the state of Nevada, um, if you look at areas outside of the United States, so you look at areas in Canada where it has been legalized, you look at areas in Australia where it's been regulated and there's brothels, you look at areas in, um, in Europe, like say Amsterdam, where it's regulated and where it's legalized. This has not decreased the amount of child sex trafficking in those areas. It has not decreased the demand for children. It has only increased it. Those are the areas where they tend to find more victims. Okay. So like that, that fails. Some people like to say like, well, the laws by choosing to criminalize prostitution, the government is creating a black market and creating an unsafe, an unsafe area. And no, that's not actually what makes it unsafe. Um, customers and pimps, traffickers, people exploiting other people is what makes it unsafe. So we'll talk more about that as we go. The next issue, the second one that's often raised as a general category is personal rights. And the argument that gets presented here a lot of times is, hey, it's my body, it's my choice, what I do with it. As far as my stance and our justice ministry, how we've always um, proceeded with this is we're not looking to guilt or shame anybody for being in the sex industry um, as far as the workers. You know, if they're stripping, if they're doing pornography, if they're in prostitution, we don't bring um, hellfire and damnation um, to them. We don't bring that kind of a message. We just say, like, if you want to pursue God, then come and find us. And we're willing to, ex you know, for you to walk in, like, it's okay for you to walk in as you are and say that you're interested in exploring God. I really appreciated, um, last week, our, uh, preacher or pastor at Blue Water Mission, he was telling an example of radical grace and how we live that out. And his example was, you know, years ago, we had a woman that had been, um, had known us for years, you know, through engaging with her, like active out in the community. Um, she started pursuing God, started coming to church, but was still involved in the lifestyle. And she heard that we were, she wasn't primarily attending our church. She was actually attending another one, but she heard that we were doing a baptism. And so she came and she spoke to our pastor and she said like, Hey, would you be willing to baptize me? And he's like, absolutely. No problem. Would love to baptize you. And she's like, no, I need you to understand. Like I make my money and my livelihood by selling my body by being in prostitution and I want to get baptized today but I fully plan to go back out tonight and to work the streets and to work prostitution and sell my body are you still willing to baptize me and our pastor Jordan he said absolutely but I want you to understand that you getting baptized 
And you deciding to follow Jesus might absolutely change your life, might radically change your life. And if you're willing to understand that and, and believe and trust that that might happen, that we might radically change your life, are you still willing to get baptized? And she agreed to that, you know, and it, um, it was wonderful. Like I was there when she got baptized, absolutely beautiful moment. And her life has totally changed within a matter of months. Her life was radically changed and she's been off the streets now for years out of prostitution, completely out of the sex industry completely and, and loves it and is pursuing, um, is pursuing life, is going on missions trips, is speaking to other people, is getting the therapy and the counseling that she needs, right? But um, it's just, you know, she had been in the game since she was very young. And um, her mindset of what she thought was options and was choices for her was just very limited. And so we didn't guilt or shame her. We didn't tell her that she couldn't be baptized. We didn't tell her that she wasn't welcomed in the church because she hadn't changed yet. We welcomed her as she was, but with the idea, the mutual understanding that pursuing Jesus might cause you to radically change your life. And that's where we approached it. And that's always where we stand. Um, so let's talk about the danger argument. So when Backpage got shut down, a lot of people or whatever, the loudest people with microphones, um, was talking about how this increased the danger for the sex industry, for sex workers, um, for those um, in prostitution. And they would say, oh no, like Backpage is gone. Uh you know, websites are shutting down. They're afraid of being uh, charged with crimes. Like you're now making it difficult for us to tell, you know, for us to advertise in a way that's open. Um, you're forcing us to go more underground. Um, you're forcing the websites that we use to check customers and review if customers were actually safe. You force those things to be closed. There's no way for us to tell who's safe that kind of thing. Um, and those arguments just don't hold up because yes, Backpage shut down and that was the most popular, but there are hundreds, if not thousands of other websites that host these ads. There are thousands and thousands of webs of ads being placed every day. There are still forums where customers talk about, um, disgusting and, ridiculous like details into what they do. I mean, it's absolutely sickening and I don't recommend that anybody look at them. But if me, who is, you know, considered a square, who is outside of the world of, um, of actually engaging in trafficking and that kind of stuff, if I know and I can find these websites, certainly other people can find these websites. So I don't understand why they even brought that up because it's, I mean, it's not even true. It's not even realistic. Like there are thousands of other places to advertise. Like it, it did not force anything to go away. Um, it's still easily accessible on the regular internet. You don't even have to go into the dark web. You can find plenty of darkness on the regular internet. So that doesn't make sense. And then the other issue that I want to bring up is the topic of power control. And this was interesting. Um, 
I guess a little over a year ago, I was invited to a conversation, to a panel discussion with some uh, pro-prostitution or pro-decriminalization um, groups, uh, you know, active sex workers that wanted to talk about why they wanted more rights and why they wanted things decriminalized. And I was there for over an hour, probably close to two hours. And finally, at the end, I was like, I don't, I don't understand what you guys are asking from us. Like, what do you want me to do? And they said, like, hey, we just basically want you to get behind decriminalizing prostitution. Can you do that? And I explained, no, I can't do that. Because in all my experience of talking to hundreds of individuals that are involved in the sex industry, um, mentoring well over 100 on their way out of it, um, no one has ever been able to describe it as a safe environment, as an environment that was actually bringing them life. They always had stories of how customers or pimps, traffickers were trying to exploit them, of ways in which it was dangerous, of ways in which it wasn't safe. So I cannot get in and advocate for that because I have never seen examples of where it was consistently safe for people to engage in this behavior, where there wasn't predators trying to manipulate, trying to control. And so this was interesting because then they launched into an argument, which I guess they felt was trying to make their point stronger. But all I could see was that it was just showing more proof of how unsafe the industry was. And so they talked about, yeah, well, with these laws and with these regulations, you know, we feel like that we can't just, you know, if we're standing on the street and we're trying you know, to, to eye up a customer, whether it's an in-person walking down the street or whether they pull up in a car, we feel like that we don't have much time. We have to make a decision and we have to jump in the car, whether we think that we're ready or not, whether we think that we know this person enough and have assessed the situation to be able to tell if it's true, like we're stressed and we have to jump into the jump into the situation. And this sparked a really interesting conversation because then they started telling basically the horror stories that they have been stuck in with customers, you know, whether it be customers, well, people who were pretending to be customers, but were actually pimps or traffickers, and were then trying to force them to hand over money to, as they say, choose up with them, that kind of thing. They talked about customers. Once they got in the car, they would realize that all of the inside car handles had been removed. So there was no way, or the locks had been removed. So there's no way for them to unlock the car, no way for them to open the doors because the door handles weren't there or the door handles weren't weren't working, um, talking about getting into apartments that weren't safe, you know, where there wasn't a way to unlock the door and be able to get out without having a key. So they just went into all of these horror stories, which just show how um, crazy, manipulative and dangerous customers are. Um, how depraved they get in their mindset. And then also, I think that we could just do a simple exercise of thinking about, I, I actually, I mean, I had a law enforcement officer actually ask me recently, like, why do you blame the customers more than you blame the prostitutes, the ones selling sex? 
And I said, look, it's been clearly displayed. And I think we only have to think about this a little bit to understand the basic situation. You don't even have to go into the research. If you use your common sense, you can, you can think about this, right? Like the person who is selling sex is typically, um, female, or if they are a transgender individual, they typically have more feminine qualities, such as having, um, less toned muscles, um, they, they look more, more feminine, more, more frail, more weak. And typically the ones purchasing sex are males. They tend to have more strength. They tend to be larger, stronger in nature. So just in physical nature. And then if you also look at the transactional side of it, the prostitution, the, the, the prostitute or the trafficked victim is basically looking for money in order to meet their needs, trying to usually pay for basic needs. And sex workers were say this, like, Hey, I'm just trying to pay my rent. Like, I'm just trying to pay, I'm just trying to buy food. Like, why are you taking away my income? So they are typically in a less stable financial situation where they need this money in order to be able to eat, in order to be able to pay rent, in order to be able to have, you know, like some housing for the, for the night, whether that be a hotel or whatever. And then the person who is coming and purchasing the sex, they are typically using their excess money. They have already, you know, they can pay rent. They can pay, uh, for food. They have taken care of their family. They've paid their car bills and insurances like this kind of stuff. They're using their excess money in order to be able to get what they want, what they cannot typically find elsewhere in the culture. They can't find somebody to do these acts for free with them. Okay. Either because they have a depraved mindset and they're looking for something that people just don't want to do. Um, or they are, um, socially not and relationally, not somebody that, that, um, other partners want to be with. Right. So they have this financial, they have more financial leverage. They have more physical strength leverage. Right. Um, if they are a well-to-do adult that has a lot of resources, they may have connections in the community. So power and social connections that could be used to blackmail or control or manipulate others. And then if you actually get into the research, those that are involved in prostitution typically were forced into it when they were a minor out of adults manipulating them. Um, typically they have been sexually abused, emotionally abused, physically abused in their past. Um, typically, it, it, I mean, just going into the strip clubs, when I used to do outreach there, they said, you can't do this work sober, you know? So typically there is, um, self-medication going on to be able to deal with the current situation, to be able to forget about the past situations, to be able to sleep at night, all of this kind of stuff is very common. So you're looking at an individual that is in a weakened state. Usually they are not, um, financially secure. They are not, um, physically strong 
Um, they are not typically connected to a lot of social networks that gives them great influence, right? So there's a lot going on. They typically have a history of abuse. They have suffered emotional trauma and physical trauma. Um, they have typically not been able to access the resources that they needed, right? So there's all kinds of disproportionate like power and strength here that's going on. So if you just imagine a situation of being um, naked with a person who is bigger and stronger than you, who has more um, financial connections, uh, who has more financial resources, and maybe has more social resources as far as being able to have people that have their back, you know, and be able to get out of difficult situations and things like that. Whereas you are lacking in these things. Can you just imagine how vulnerable you would feel in that situation? How disempowered you would feel in that situation? How you feel that you have to do whatever the customer is requesting because if they're not happy, it could physically get dangerous for you. It could be emotionally um, damaging to be in that situation how it could feel that financially you may not be able to eat tonight or you may not be able to pay your rent or whatever it is if you don't do what they want so that you can get the little bit of money that they're going to give you, you know, their excess money, right? Like it's just, there's crazy power differentials. So I hope that this helps you guys understand that decriminalization is not empowerment of vulnerable people. It is not empowerment of those who are in the sex industry. You have any sort of significant conversation, you're gonna hear horror stories of pimps, of traffickers, and of customers, and how it is dangerous. And it continues to be dangerous. And if you dive a bit deeper into the regulated industries, you'll still see how STDs are rampant and how people are, are catching STDs. Um, and getting sick and being hurt by that. If you look at the regulated industries, you will see how it doesn't decrease trafficking. It doesn't decrease the black market. It doesn't decrease um, the demand for younger and younger victims. It only increases it. And it gives them a way to basically have a business front that looks legitimate and then have the real sick stuff, the children, um, the... Yeah, the dangerous things to have those available on the back end so that they can charge more money for that. That's where they're really making their money. So anyway, I hope this helps you guys understand and don't get sucked into if you guys have questions about it, you know, like, let me know, but don't get sucked into the idea that decriminalizing prostitution is empowering and um, removing boundaries and creating safety for the most vulnerable people in our population. It's not. It is providing a legitimatized business front for pimps, for traffickers to pretend that they have a legitimate business while offering the more depraved and the more illegal things in the back, the more exploitive um, things. It makes it harder to 
control the illegal in industry. So anyway, I hope you guys can understand that. And what I would say, if I was going to be for anything, I would actually look at the Nordic model where they decriminalized selling sex. Like they decriminalized the prostitute and instead they focused on criminalizing the buying of sex or the managing of sex work. So they focused on basically the customers, the demand, and they made that illegal and that's where they put all of their work into. That's actually something that is really great. And that is the only type of decriminalization that I would support. But I don't think our country is ready for that conversation. I don't think that we have people that have been educated enough on trafficking and on how really prostitution works, um, how the game works and how exploited how exploitative it is in order to have that conversation in the in our country and so we need to be talking about it more so anyway hope this helps you guys and I will talk to you guys more and if you're interested in more resources to learn about trafficking to learn about how to protect your family members or your community people that you love or if you're interested in how to get active and actually making a difference then check out our website it's the bluewatermission.org and on there under our ministries you can find justice ministry we've also got a link in our um, podcast description so that you can get to it okay hope you guys have an awesome day and awesome week talk to you later bye